This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to Inside Carolina's Next Level. Greg Barnes is my guest. Greg, we've had a few... um, well, Greg Barnes is not my guest. Greg Barnes is the star of this show, as always. And today we highlight it because, Greg, we've had a few guests over the last several weeks, certainly relevant to what was going on with Carolina football at the time. Danny Connell, uh, Bud Elliott, uh, David Hale last week, a great show. And it's just amazing, uh, you know, as we were planning out these shows, how things changed over the course of the year, the last three weeks or so or a month or so of the season. And now here we sit um, a few days after the ACC championship game and the transfer portal is wide open. Greg, I know you follow this stuff closely, even though you're not on the beat still, but it's really, really amazing how the transfer portal is changing the game, isn't it? It is, Tom. It's 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 kind of a crazy thing. And to think about it, that North Carolina played in the ACC conference championship game on Saturday night. And the coaches have to turn around and kind of deal with the fallout of that and uh, get back to Chapel Hill. And then the portal opens on Monday. And then on December 21st, a couple weeks from now, uh, signing day begins. So it is it is a whirlwind um, really here at, at the end of the season, at the end of the regular season. And the coaches still have to get prepared for, for the bowl game at the end of the month. So uh, really a crazy time. And uh, – the transfer portal has played a big role in that. Yeah, they call it the silly season for a reason. Usually, the silly season is the silly coaching season. What coaches are going where? Who's leaving for the pros? Um, who, who's, you know, what position coach is moving on, getting fired and all that? Now, basically free agency for players as well. Greg, let's talk about that aspect of it a little bit, sort of the background of why we're here. I said earlier in the week on one of our on, – on the beat, actually – is that COVID has really, really changed the game. But that's not necessarily why the NCA has allowed this transfer portal and immediate eligibility. Sort of give us a little bit of that background, and then let's start off Monday that where it just really went boom. Yeah, and you know, COVID's really just kind of one of the contributing factors to why things have, have kind of gone haywire here of late. Um Really, what you mentioned a minute ago was the perfect segue to the, the NCAA transfer portal, and that's the coaching carousel. 
And really where things stood, you know, just five years ago was that coaches could up and leave whenever they chose and go chase millions of dollars. And yet players were kind of stuck where they were. Um, and if you wanted to transfer, you had to sit out a year. And, you know, there were some conferences like the ACC where uh, a good example was Boston College's Phil Dracovic. If he wanted to transfer to Pittsburgh, uh, not only would he have to sit out a year, if he had to get permission, if he didn't get permission, he'd have to sit out two years to do an intra-conference -conf transfer. Well, now that all changes. And now, now Phil can uh, suit up next year as he will for Pitt. So um, the whole purpose of the transfer portal that launched back in the fall of 2018 was to be able to create kind of a database that players could put their name in this portal to say, hey, I have full intentions of transferring. And that opened the door for coaches to be able to come in at you know, other universities and say, okay, this is not tampering. We just want to make touch base with you, see if we're a good fit, and determine if we want to make you an offer so that you can transfer to our program. That's the whole reason behind the transfer portal. Uh, things changed dramatically after COVID. Um, it's really ahead of the NIL situation, but it was in April of 2021 that the NCAA Board of Directors said, okay, we have this portal in place. Now we're going to eliminate the transfer rule of having to sit out a year. And it's a one-time transfer exception where the first time that you transfer, you retain eligibility immediately. That's fine and dandy. However, what happened was, is because the way that the NCAA structured things, and a lot of it was because of uh, legislature in various states, Florida being one of them, that really pushed the NCAA on name, image, and likeness. And so the NCAA, by the time July 1st, 2021 came around, they had to open the gates for NIL. So within a, in a span of less than three months, you had a transfer portal situated where people could transfer immediately and be able to play. And then you had NIL. So you set up this situation where, where kids can really start looking for money, financial opportunities at other schools, and it was all within NCAA rules. And that has never been the case before. Now, when that first happened, we saw some of the challenges that it, that it presented to a lot of college coaches. You, have to rem you remember that first year uh, of the portal, it didn't really start until July 1st. Well, think about that. If you're bringing kids in for training camp in August and you're having guys leave your program in July, that's a problem. So they, there's been some changes, um, and there's some, some big changes back in, in August what, what has changed is that that first date for the transfer portal has been pushed back to, to May 1st for the spring session. However, uh, what also happened in August was you got two firm windows, one being the May window, which is May 1st to May 15th. But the other is the postseason window, which starts the day after the conference championship or the uh, college football playoff selection show. So it was December uh, what, 5th this year, mm -hmm. Monday. And it runs for, for 45 days. And so really what that does is it, it compresses um, a situation where you have all the transfer portal entries to one time. Because if you remember back to last year, North Carolina had a number of kids who entered the portal during the season. 
Emory Simmons did it. He was one of them. And so what the NCAA was trying to do in August is, okay, we've seen some of these issues. We saw the July 1st date didn't work. We saw the kids being able to enter the portal during the season didn't work. So they've tried to address that. The other big one that occurred in August is there was serious consideration to eliminating the one-time transfer exception. So had that gone through, kids could transfer as many times as they wanted to without having to sit out. They could transfer every single year if they wanted to. Fortunately, the board of directors uh, put that on the back burner for now. So that was there's a number of good things that came out of that August meeting. There's still work to be done, but that kind of gets us to where we are, Tommy. Um, and just to kind of give you an idea of, of what's, what's taking place, uh, if you go back to 2019-2020 season, so this is before the one-time transfer exception uh, was put into place. There were 1,700 FBS players that entered the portal that year. After that exception was put in, so last year, there was more than 3,000. Wow. Um, in the first two days of this period, so Monday and Tuesday of this week, there's more than a thousand names already put in, um, and so we're we're seeing some pretty pretty crazy numbers. Um, there's a lot of good tidbits here. I think one thing that people would be most fascinated by is the number of transfers happening in basketball. I know we're talking specifically about football right now, but just to kind of give you some perspective. And granted, look, the FBS is only 131 teams in football. Division one basketball is 360 teams, 361 teams this year. So we're talking about a, a big difference there, but you also have much smaller rosters. Um, in 2011, there was 577 total transfers across the country in college basketball at the Division one level. In 2021, that jumped up to 1,700. Uh, so the impact of the portal has been, been pretty clear. Um, and one of the one of the more interesting uh, numbers that I've I've come across is I was looking at this uh, uh, earlier this week, and there's actually a higher percentage of non-student athletes that graduate from the school they transferred into than student athletes. That may be surprising. Uh, the NCAA commission uh, Gallup to do a, a study for them, and they found that only 22% of student athletes transferred and graduated from a different school from which they enrolled. For non-student athletes, that number's 38%, which is staggering. I'm one of them. Uh, I transferred from, uh, from a certain school in state and graduated from, from UNC. Uh, but I think that's, that kind of gives you some perspective of, yeah, a lot of kids are transferring, but it's, in terms of the general body, it's not that big of a, big of a shift. Um, you know, the first year it was launched, when you look across the entire uh, spectrum of sports at the NCAA level, there was 15,000 student athletes that entered the portal in that first year. So uh, 20, it was 2018 or 2019, 2020. So just some crazy, some crazy numbers there, Tommy, but that kind of gets us to where we are. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, you couple in COVID and, and this is, purely sports related um, you know the evaluations kids not being able to play and put enough on tape colleges offering scholarships that maybe kids that 
didn't really uh, wouldn't have normally gotten scholarships. So you have all that. You've got kids committing to schools that they're not really a fit at back and forth and all that. And we hadn't even talked about grad transfers, which is another ball of wax, which um, if and I don't know if you've seen it, Greg, but Cam Johnson was on um, with Theo Pinson on their little podcast. And he was talking about the process of trying to transfer to Carolina. Um, you talking about that intra conference deal going on there. So that was fascinating to listen to. But yeah, now you've got Dracovic from started at Notre Dame, ended up Boston College, and now going to play for Pitt. I mean, he's going. I collect stickers on my cooler of every place I've been. Um, you're going to see. You, you remember the old Senior Bowl uh, stuff where they had logos of all the different helmets from all their buddies? It's going to be like that um, for some of these players, the way they transfer. And what's interesting, and, and Greg, this is what I want to see how it shakes out down the road. When, when a commission's put forth to do this, is how many guys enter the transfer portal, how many players, um, men and women sports, enter the portal and are never heard from them again. Because I think that is the issue. That's the negative downside issue to all this is you've got a, you've got a scholarship, you've got a free opportunity to get an education at a university of whatever it is, we'll say North Carolina, and you decide to put your name in the transfer portal and you leave that school and you never you never get picked up by anybody else. So, A, not only did you lose the opportunity to play a sport that you were part of the team, you lose the opportunity to have a free education. And while NIL has changed the game as far as pay for play and all that kind of stuff, the, the education part of it is what really affects us. And I'll get off the soapbox. But as a society, when you have people – that had the opportunity to get an education and then don't um, because the grass was greener at some other school. Just a crazy yeah, thing. For sure. We actually have some numbers to, to help with that, Tommy. Uh, in 2021-22, so it's the last year, uh, the college football level, FBS level, uh, only 61% of kids who entered the portal found another destination or returned to the school where they had been. So if you do the math on that, uh, that's roughly 1,200 kids who entered the portal and never signed anywhere else. Um, and that's there's a uh, there's a good cartoon I saw floating around the internet um, of a kid. It's you know, the first the first little box is a, is a kid with three other guys, and he's like, "Man, I'm third string. I gotta get out of here." And the next box is this massively long winding line where he's at the tail end of it, saying, uh, "Maybe this was not the right decision." And that's, that's what these kids have to figure out. Um, you have to have some perspective. And look, we're talking about young people here. We're talking about kids as young as 18, 19, uh, having to make these decisions. And this is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and people, it, you know, some players want to sit back and buy their time and then get their opportunity. But that's just not the nature of it. And especially with people offering money. Um, to come play for us, to come do this. It is a situation that, um, and Buck Sanders has talked about it, and, and we have as well. The NCAA created it, and there's some good in it, but they also did not foresee the bad, and they have no idea how to fix it. And, and I think uh, I think it needs to be a one-time deal. You can transfer uh, and play immediately, whether it's a graduate or a transfer, um, and that's it. You can't do the underclass transfer portal and then do the graduate deal. Some Something needs to be done. 
and we haven't even talked about um, the tampering aspect of it, Greg, the, the inducement aspect of it. I mean, Pittsburgh's best player last year left. He would have gotten 100-plus catches at Pittsburgh. Um, well, it depends on Keaton Slovis's play. But he left, and he went and played for another university. He had a great year. Didn't hurt himself. He bettered himself. But for Pittsburgh, um, for that school, just a, unbelievable that you would just up and leave. It's not about playing time anymore, is it, Greg? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, this is a big business, and it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. You have the education part of it, but what percentage of, of college football players go on to play in the NFL? Not many. So if you're able to make some money um, at the CFP level, how do you fault these kids for doing that, right? Um, and that's really kind of one of the, the challenging components of this. Um, you know, and, and in terms of, of tampering, there's really not a whole lot that you can do um, because, yeah, you, Pitt was on the wrong end of the deal where everybody knew that Lincoln Riley and USC was, was doing their best to get Jordan to, to come over to Southern Cal. That's a very tempting offer. And I like the fact that Pat Narduzzi was very vocal about it, and apparently he called Lincoln Riley several times, <laughs> invented his frustration. But there was nothing ever done about it, and it's probably because there's not a lot of proof. Um, the other part of it is what we were just talking about. Like Keaton Slovis entered the portal on Monday, which is the first day that the portal window was open, and within a couple hours, Dracovic had committed to going to Pitt. Um, how does that work? Was there no communication between <laughs> you know, Signetti and, and Dracovic during that period? I mean, that was a pretty rapid decision, right? Um, and that's, that's kind of the challenge is because, you know, in talking with, with people around the, the Carolina program uh, really over the last year about this stuff, Unless you have documentation that a coach or a representative of a football program is actively contacting your players, what are you going to do? How are you going to get around that? Um, because what's happening is, is that players of players and friends of players are reaching out. Uh, there was a high school coach that told ESPN last year, now, and this is, I'm sure, hyperbole, but he estimated that like 60% of programs were tampering. They were making contact outside of the window. Um, and he said that he had a player who was in college. This is a high school coach. And he said he had four different major programs contact him, trying to gauge that player's interest in potentially transferring to their schools. Uh, so that's how these schools are working around the tampering component of it. And, and really what this is, and I, um, I saw this quote by, let's see, Lincoln, uh, no, sorry, this is Lane Kiffin. I thought this was a really good one. Um, Until you create true free agency, and these are real contracts, and it can be multi-year and whatever it is, just like any professional sport, which is what we are in almost every area, that would solve it. Professional sports have certainly figured out how to handle free agency and have a window and the ability to move around. Because what college football right now is dealing with is NFL contracts or NFL free agency without contracts. Mm -hmm. It's all word of mouth until the kid actually gets on campus and then they can sign the NIL deal. 
Um, so the transfer portal has really kind of set in motion this avenue for players uh, to find better destinations, which is a good thing. But then you add in the the, the fact that uh, they can be bought and paid for and they can seek money. And that's where you kind of get into some of the controversy. Uh, but that's what's made you know, the, the transfer portal such a d- dynamic and massive shift to college football. Yeah, and, and my thing is, is you know, I don't fault them at all for making however much money you can. I look, if somebody came up, and offered, everybody knows where my children are at school and will go to school. But if somebody came up, and offered millions of dollars for them to go to somewhere else, I'd pack their bags. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact of matter uh, of the way it is. But you know, I, I think, and that's the difference, and this is where I think the NCA has failed with this, um, like they usually do, is in the professional sports. If you tamper, you are going to pay the price for it, whether it's draft picks or hefty fines or whatever they do. In college, it's kind of like what you said earlier. What you going to do about it? You know, and in Narduzzi and Pitt's case, they said, well, we can play the game too. <laughs> you know, so – you go ahead and leave uh, quarterback one. We got quarterback one, your replacement coming in um, on that swinging gate. So you have to learn to play the game. It's an interesting dynamic. Um, and, and it and is free. It is a straight free agency. Just I wish they would just call it what it is. Right. And Tommy, we've hammered this point home for over a decade now. But the biggest issue for the NCAA is that they have no subpoena power. There are voluntary memberships. And part of that is – they do not have the right in the le- and because of the way the membership works to require programs and athletic departments to turn over documents and all these kind of things. They just don't. And that's how a lot of schools have gotten away with academic issues. North Carolina, as everybody knows, made the mistake of, of opening the doors, which you should never do. Um, but most teams say, nope. We got it. We're going to handle it. And so that's one of the things here, too, is because you say, oh, yeah, well, of course. You know, the NFL, they can really look into all this paperwork, and they can look into these phone logs and figure out who's tampering. NCAA cannot do that. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yep. And that, that is why um, you'd best learn to play it or, or you're going to get left behind. You know, we're talking, about, we're talking about this on a holistic level, NCA issue and all, but North Carolina's had to deal with the transfer portal, um, both in and out over the last several years. And they've had some good additions. Well, Monday opened. And before I go there, if you're not an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, um, we appreciate you watching this. But you need to be for a couple reasons. One, my favorite Johnny T-shirt discount you get, but also for Don Callahan, um, football scoop, and Sherelle McMillan, the recruiting scoop. It is a fascinating um, way to follow North Carolina recruiting. And it is imperative that you follow it now Otherwise, you're going to be sitting in either first week of the basketball season or the first week of the football season looking at your program, trying to figure out who's on the roster. And literally, that's what I did the other night watching um, the team eight miles down the road is I don't know who these guys are. I've heard their names. Let me see what they look like. Let me see who they are. And that's how I get to know the roster for the other teams. But Carolina, Greg, the portal opened. Jacoby Criswell was the first one at the door. Don't blame him a bit. Um, he had to do what he had to do, and certainly um, he has been a, from all accounts, a great teammate, wonderful guy to have on campus, and he, hopefully he lands where he wants to land and he is successful. But Carolina's got 12, 13 others. Your overall take on how this has affected North Carolina outbound thus far, and then we'll get into the, the whole thing in theory for North Carolina. Yeah, so 12, 12 entries um, so far, and I think the, the alarming part of that is not Chris Well, as you mentioned. For me, he's the kind of guy you would expect to go, right, with Drake May coming back for another season. But the fact that there were six defensive backs that entered, uh, that's alarming because, you know, a couple of those guys, Kim Kelly was a starter, of course. Tony Grimes was a starter. Um, that's kind of a mass exodus. In North Carolina, is fortunate that um, some fourth-year seniors right now who have played for four years, Don Chapman, Gio Biggers, Obeg Buna, all have a fifth COVID year remaining. Uh, so that's part of the deal, right, is that you, you may have to recruit those guys to come back in case they were thinking about either you trying for you know, the, the next level or wanting to transfer out or just being done. That, that's part of this. Um the, the numbers you need to kind of look out for, people here 12 and like, whoa, that's a lot. Attrition is just part of the game. Um, and this is all at one time, so it seems alarming. Over the last uh, two years, though, North Carolina has, has seen attrition of 15 both years. So 15 people out of 85 or close to 85 left the program each of the last two years. So 12 is not crazy in that regard. Um, and Sports Source Analytics has, has been tracking a lot of this. So we have some up-to-date information as of uh, Wednesday afternoon. Um, and I, I think people would find this interesting. Portal entries by FBS Conference. So leading the way uh, where it just means more is the SEC. Uh, to date, 171 kids have entered the portal out of the SEC. That's a little more than 12 per team on average. Pac-12 is next with 126, 10 and a half per team. Big 10, 124, 8.9 per team. 
And then fourth at the moment is the ACC with 120. So that's 8.6 per team. So Carolina is a little above the conference average, um, but it's not like some crazy dire number that screams, hey, the program's burning down. That's just kind of the world we're living in right now. And with the window where it is, you know, with there being a, a strict 45-day uh, opportunity for these kids, whereas previously they could do it whenever they wanted, uh, that sets in motion where it looks uh, looks wild. The first day was nuts, right? I mean, 1,000 kids, first two days. But it's it's not completely out of the norm. Yeah, and we are recording this Wednesday afternoon. Um, the last name that went in the portal for North Carolina that we are publicly aware of, Dante Balfour. Um, so by the time you watch this, Wednesday evening, dinner time or whatever, it, it could have changed. Um, so bear with us in that regard. If you hear a number and you say, well, wait a minute, I thought it was more than that. But you've got guys, and to your point, the, the defensive back room has been decimated by the transfers. Uh, you can debate the level of – talent and whether or not these guys would play and all you want but the bottom line is when you have a room of 10 to 12 13 14 guys and six of them walk out it certainly makes the need to do something else or to get more bodies in there paramount and to greg's point there this is a 45 day window so while the first day was madness um, it's open until after the bowl game into mid-january and who knows where you go from there I think that uh, it's just the new norm. I think Carolina will be fine. Greg, one thing I wanted to talk to you about here before we get out of here, and this has been the next level, of course, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, is Carolina's ability to bring people in. Uh, that has long been an issue for North Carolina. You hear about, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, but the rumors, Deion Sanders goes to Colorado, and Colorado's had issues getting guys in, um, and, and they've – allegedly have promised that those requirements will be relaxed a little bit um, to help him build the program back. Where is North Carolina on this um, point here? Because obviously Stanford has a ton of guys leaving. Those guys would be able to transfer, I would think, almost easily into North Carolina, but not the case with a lot of other places. How is How does Mac Brown and his staff and the compliance people and the the uh, academic people, how do they deal with whatever hurdles North Carolina, the university may present? Yeah, well, well, look, pe people are not going to like to hear this, but after what happened with the NCAA investigation into AFAM, uh, North Carolina is not in a situation where they can just completely strip down requirements for athletic transfers. It's just not going to happen. Now, you do have a little bit of flexibility, of course, as all programs do. Uh, but if you look at what North Carolina has done, both in, in basketball and in football over the years, is most of the transfers they have come in have been grad transfers. And that's for a reason, because those kids already have uh, their, their necessary requirements in place and they've graduated and they're applying to grad schools. So there's a, they've already proven that they're academically sound by graduating. Uh, and then you can, you can help kind of direct them where they need to go in terms of entering grad schools. It's, it's just a difficult thing at North Carolina with a lot of the requirements. Uh, I'm not a student athlete, but I had a lot of challenges 20 years ago you know, transferring over. I elected to transfer early enough that my entire spring semester before I transferred 
were all classes that Carolina said, hey, you need these to be able to transfer in. Um, and that's just kind of the setup the way it is. And that's why you see in North Carolina goes after uh, you know, Noah Taylor from Virginia, which is a one of the top academic institutions in the country. He's a veteran guy, right? Uh, Spencer Rowland from Harvard. Uh, Corey Gaynor had graduated, was able to come over. Um, you know, and then, of course, they also brought in Jacob McCowan and uh, Legend Cavazas from, from Ohio State, who were actually uh, undergraduate transfers. So it's just a, a challenging component. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, Mac Brown has been, been quite open in saying uh, that the portal is not going to be a big part of what Carolina wants to do. They're really going to target guys that can be starters and to fill voids. You know, um, the crazy stat to me, Tommy, is that this year, 2022, 20.9% of starters at the FBS level were transfers. At UCLA, Chip Kelly really hit the portal hard, which, again, UCLA is a good academic school, so this is kind of surprising. 73.6% of their starters were transfers. Um, And so you really get into this situation where Carolina is not going to be able to raid the portal for a ton of guys, and they're not going to be able to get some of the guys that other teams are after because of academic reasons and because some of the NIL pay-for-play situations that are going on. So can Carolina have success with their desire, Mac Brown's desire, to recruit the high school ranks very effectively and build your program that way? That's what Davo Sweeney wants to do. That's what Jason Day at Ohio State wants to do. Um, and then fill some guys in that fit from the portal at areas of need, like Carolina needs a pass rusher. Carolina needs a center for next year with two guys graduating. Uh, we don't know yet about Corey Gaynor's medical uh, waiver if he wants to come back. And then, of course, defensive backs. Uh, so that's really the challenge here is North Carolina knows that there are some hurdles that they have academically that a lot of other programs do not have so how do you address it? And here's the other component of it too, Tommy. Uh, Randy McGeorge, uh, who's on the board quite a bit, does a lot of good data work for uh, for Carolina fans, has for a long time. He tracks all the roster numbers. And as of right now, uh, you know, with 18 commitments and with the guys that have already entered the portal, uh, North Carolina has five scholarships available right now for its 2023 roster. You can have 85. That's right now. I mean, you know that over the course of the next eight to nine months, more players are going to leave. So what does the coaching staff do if there's, say, there's 10 spots available between now and the start of training camp? How do they go about filling those roles? Do you sign a bunch of extra kids in the recruiting class, even though you may not have some of the high-end guys that you want? Do you keep the scholarships open, which doesn't make a lot of sense? Or do you really try to hit the portal hard and find guys that kind of fit these narrow windows that the program needs to hit? Um, so it's really a, a challenging thing uh, that, that they want to do right now. And, of course, Patrick Suttis, who's the uh, general manager who handles a lot of this stuff, uh, just just a tough, tough stretch of days for, for him and his staff. Yeah, you know, and one thing, and while you were talking there, I was thinking about it. I mean, high school recruiting – has changed totally. Uh, do you take an 18-year-old um, that you can mold into a good football player? Do you take a grown 
23, uh, 22, 23-year-old guy that's been playing major college football and you plug them straight in. Uh, and, and But then I thought, maybe you take some flyers on the high school guys that you no, might not normally take because of the portal, because you can get them out of there freely and not ruin them, um, or you can get somebody to replace them. So it's an interesting dynamic. I, I just think for a lot of the old school people that love college football and college athletics the way it was, it is not that way anymore. And you either get on the bus or you find another sport. And you said Jason Day earlier is Ryan Day at Ohio State. Jason Day, if you want to follow Jason Day, go follow the PGA Tour. Right. And, uh, or is he PGA or did he transfer to the he, – anyway. He's still PGA. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff with Greg Barnes. Greg, anything left? I, I mean, I just think for folks that listen to Inside Carolina and take part on Inside Carolina, um, you mentioned Mac or Randy McGeorge some unbelievable threads, Don stuff. There have been offers out there. If you're wondering, is Carolina sitting pat waiting for uh, somebody to fall in their lap? No, they are actively out there recruiting and offering players to come play for North Carolina that are currently out of the schools. So there's a ton of work to be done. Greg, any final thoughts on it? it the changes in the game really drives people crazy, but it is really just a matter of managing it and catching on. Uh, Matt Brown's up to it, right? Yeah, that's a great question, right? Um, <laughs> because it's completely different than what he's ever had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And that that's the challenge. Um, I listened to an interview with Jason Day the other day, so that's why I uh, <laughs> apologize to the Buckeyes listening. Um, but we'll close with a Ryan Day quote. Um, this is what he told the Columbus Dispatch. And I, I think this speaks to a lot of the issues that um, – some some of the established programs um, are probably concerned about. I mean, if you look at like Georgia, I don't think Georgia's had anybody enter the portal as of yet. And granted, you're talking about a team that's two games away from winning the national championship. Um, <laughs> but that, I mean, that speaks to kind of the culture in play. Uh, but Ryan Day said, quote, it's a dangerous, it's dangerous to live in the portal world. I don't think it's sustainable for the chemistry and culture of your team to be doing that. So if we do bring in somebody, it has to be deliberate. We have to think it all the way through and it has to be the right fit at the right time. Uh, And I think Mac Brown would completely agree with that. And that's the challenge because you've got people flooding out of your program and that's just going to be the norm from now on. How do you replace them? Because if you've got guys that are third and fourth year guys who have seen time and maybe they want more time, but they're leaving and you're going to replace them with an 18 year old who's never played before. Well, now you're having to coach those kids up and that takes time. So all the work that you put in developing kids, even if they're second and third string guys, all that works for not. And you end up giving the work you put in to another program. And a lot of programs are looking at it like that. They're saying, hey, why would I go recruit when we can't recruit worth a flip at the high school level when I can look in the portal and see that, hey, this kid played at Ohio State. He was third string. We know he was coached up. So why not get him for a couple years? Um, So how you address that, and I I think you really have to be principled and say, okay, this is who we're going to be. This is how we're going to handle it. And then from there, you have kind of a basis from which to work. Um, but that's the challenge of saying, okay, well, well how are we going to handle this? Um, and it's, there's so many moving parts right now. It, it's very difficult to kind of come to that 
firm conclusion uh, with so many moving parts. Yep, it reminds me of my former life. Uh, you hire somebody, you train them, you get them ready, and then they go, they move on because they want to make some more money somewhere else. Or do you hire somebody that doesn't really need the job, is good at what they do, um, they've proven that they can do it, and you just go with the, the older head. It's the same in that world. It's the same in college athletics. And the best companies and the best teams are going to manage it well. Matt Brown's got his work cut out for him. You mentioned Suttis, those guys. I mean, gone are the days where you just worry about who's who we play on Saturday. You got to worry about who actually suits up on your team on Saturday. Tommy, it was like a decade ago that an assistant coach was recruiting coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are long gone. Indeed, indeed. It has been a pleasure to talk transfer portal and how it's changed the game with Greg Barnes on the next level inside Carolina's YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get all this. You get all our live stuff. If you're listening to this either Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, 9 o'clock Thursday night, we'll have a panel, sort of a post-mortem on the football season. Granted, there's a game left, but we got a lot to talk about. Inside Carolina Live YouTube channel at 9 o'clock on Thursday evening. Greg Barnes, it's always a pleasure, my man. Yep, enjoy it, Tommy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.